it's not a uh, you know I'll grind out this next six weeks of getting some coaching off a bloke and then I'm going <laughs> to cut sick and you know <laughs> go back to my old old habits um that's definitely not happening I'm on 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 the road to being yeah better and better you're listening to Trade Mutt's 120 Grit Podcast, the podcast for the working class, hosted by Dan Allen and Ed Ross, the co-founders of Trade Mutt. If you're a fan of Trade Mutt's 120 Grit, we'd love to hear what you think. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com. After a lot of hard work, we're happy to announce that the TX support service is now open. TX is a new service and we're in the process of building capability. At this stage, we have a trained mental health professional online between the hours of 9.30am and 5pm Monday to Friday. If you or anyone you know would like to access a mental health professional, call or text 0488 For more information, visit www.tax.org. Mate, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? You're not too bad. What's been going on? Mate, it's all been going on. We've just landed a massive new project at work and it is about to go down. It's very exciting. It is exciting, but it's bloody daunting because, you know, when you take on bigger jobs, there's a lot more stress that comes with it. I'm not sure that we've got the systems and processes in place to be able to manage it. And my concern is that it's going to take a toll on the boss, to be honest. Oh, mate, don't worry about that. Has, has your boss heard about Simpro? No, what's Simpro? Well, let me tell you, it's not a one-trick pony, mate. It helps you across all systems of your business. Covers service, maintenance, and project management. And trust me, it's going to help you guys get that job done. Sweet. Mate, if we can get it done Mickey Mouse, I'll be happy. Mate, tell your boss to check out www.simprogroup.com. Get your stuff sorted. I'm keen as. Let's do it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Trade Months 120 Grit, the podcast for the working class. Today, the man that needs no introduction but is going to get one hell of an introduction... Starting back rower for the Whit Sundays Brahmins for an average of 200 metres per game. <laughs> Former international playing for the Italian Azzurri during the 2013 Rugby League World Cup. With the Minicello boys. But most notably owner of Gardell Electrical. The man starts his day at 4.30am with a nice cold shower. Mr. Sam Gardell, welcome. Thank you for the <laughs> intro there, Dan. <laughs> Yeah, well, the last point is what we want to touch on first. The cold showers, Gardy. Explain the cold showers to us because it's something I haven't investigated much personally. Yeah, look, I'm not going to sit here and pretend I've been doing it my whole life. Um, it's something I've started doing the last two weeks. So uh, a few guys that I follow their podcasts, um, they all do it. They're pretty inspiring guys. So I thought if they're doing it, I'm going to do it. So... For me, it's about it's not so much about trying to do anything special. It's just about beating beating your mind because when you get up out of bed, the last thing you want to do is get in a cold shower. So, if you can overcome that and put yourself in a cold shower when you just jumped out of a nice warm bed, then you can push your brain to do other important how, things. How long are you having a shower for? Like, is it? He's not brushing um, his teeth. Yeah, in are there. you soaping up <laughs> yeah, in there look, rigorously? Or I'm not lathering soap. No, um, it's you. I put a Timer on my watch for a minute, so that's solid. Um, the inspiring guys whose podcast you follow—that's we don't. That's obviously not us, is it? Yeah, it's not the one twenty grit, unfortunately. Um, that's rough. But yeah, I could give those guys a little shout out. <laughs> but. Um, but you—we were talking about this the other day, and you mentioned Wim Hof breathing, and you're the second guest. You're the second tradesperson who we've had on the podcast who's talked about Wim Hof breathing. Yeah. So if you just jump in there you're gonna struggle and you're gonna want to jump out very quickly um so a little 30 second psych up before you go in and you should be able to after a week or so of doing it should be able to stand in there pretty comfortably so one minute i could do two or three minutes so i'll, I'll keep working on on that um but you also don't want to make yourself so cold that you <laughs> you'll never get warm again you're coming into a tough time of year to do it too yeah, well, might and as well jump in the deep end. And, you know, owner of an electrical business, I wouldn't have thought energy and hot water would have been too much an issue for you. No, mate. Well, we've got an uh, evaporative tube hot water system, so, you know, <laughs> it's very energy conscious. Well, it's good to hear that you're doing your part for the environment anyway, mate. Always. Yeah. 
Far out. So well, have you have you noticed any change in your day from implementing it? Yeah, so the other thing was, um, yeah, waking up and looking at my phone was something that I wanted to get rid of. So I've stopped that. So it's just alarm, straight out of bed, 30 seconds of breathing, straight in the shower. And that's something I made a, a bit of a non-negotiable for myself and it's helped get my day started yeah, much quicker awesome. instead of mucking around for 45 minutes and then, you know, checking every single thing on my phone before I'd even started thinking for the day. So Which is dead time. You don't the get phones are a big one. They're a bit toxic, aren't they? Like I, I notice that I roll over first thing in the morning and I'll have a look at the phone and a heap of notifications on there already yep. and it's just, yeah, you need to really give yourself a break. I'm proper OCD with notifications as well. So if they're sitting there, I've got to click on them for some reason. So I've uh, yeah. started investing some time into actually making my phone a bit more... Oh, yeah, that's killing me, Dan. <laughs> that is killing me. 1,262, how does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the, the phone in the morning is – because I've done something similar. I'm not having cold showers, but from beginning of the year, I was like, I'm not hitting snooze anymore. I was like, I'm just going to get straight up. Yeah. And I can't remember exactly what it is someone listening would know. You guys might know. Is it's like you've got to do something for like 26 days or six weeks or something yep. like that, and then it's a routine. To uh, form new neural form a pathways. Habit, form a habit. Fuck. I have not even looked at, at, at hitting my snooze. Fuck, it is awesome now. And it's yeah. just like I've got the energy and my, my day routine started. And it's just like, yeah, it's awesome because you don't have that lethargic feel. Like I don't have that lethargic feel. And you'd be getting that with cold showers because it's such a rush. Yeah, that's it. It gets everything working pretty quickly. Like you, <laughs> yeah. So, and then from from there, I've been reading in the morning, which is something I've never really been keen on. I always used to read before bed, but I'd find that I'd just fall asleep within two pages. And not, so. rem- and not remember anything you <laughs> yeah. read. Yeah. And it was just pointless. I, I could literally open the book and look back two pages the next night, and I wouldn't even remember reading those two pages. So I'm exactly the same. It just put, it's a nice, it's a good way to put yourself to sleep, but not depending on what you're reading. It, yeah, you're not going to remember it, are you? I nah. certainly don't. I've been reading yeah, it. Yeah, I was morning. about to say, mate, segue, you've been reading yourself every morning. It's really bloody good. Like I've, But I find that... Um, I've read books before. I can read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Just putting that on record. I can read. If it's a book that I've liked, or like, yeah, you know, it's a, by a person who I respect or something, I can find I can smash. Like a it. Shane Warne autobiography. Hundred <laughs> percent. It's about the only book I've ever read. Yeah, and, and that's why you're such a fan of toasted cheese sandwiches too, eh? Yeah, not 100. anymore. Yeah, but no, I've been really enjoying it. I've got a reason. I feel like I've got a reason to read at the moment. I yep. really want to like know more about especially the space we're in and you know it's just become like a bit of a natural sort of a thirst that i want to do and it's a really nice way to start the morning highly recommend a book are you reading uh at the moment i'm reading a book on how to learn languages actually so yeah I've, right uh, pretty avid snowboarder love going to japan yeah, every you year so um yeah so i'm firstly reading a book on the best techniques on how to learn a language and then I'm going to try and do what I should have done when I was in high school, studying Japanese, and I'm going to actually try and study it instead of getting kicked out of the class being a smart ass. So, um, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, can I try and learn Japanese? I've given myself a, a year to get conversational and then hopefully three years to get fluent. So, that's the plan. Fuck, that is a pretty epic goal. Yeah, it's, it seems a long way away at the moment. Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> No, mate, that's unreal. <laughs> we came back, when I came back from Japan, my brother lives over in Japan and like, yeah, yeah. Sumimasen was like the big, <laughs> the big one that I brought back. When, when yeah. me and Todd would go to sushi, he'd be saying, Sumimasen, like, <laughs> it's, it's a great one. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've, I think learning a language is an awesome, is an awesome thing to do. A lot harder when you're an adult, I believe, but you know. Yeah, that's when there's all, a will, that's, there's a way. That's also a myth that is people it? put in their way. Yeah, is it? So it's excuses, Derek. One, Stop one of the, excuses. it's one I of mean, the first things this guy mentions in the in the start of the book. So, yeah, 170 pages in or something of a 300 page book, which is a that's thick. Would have taken me probably a year to get that far. It's been two weeks of reading in the morning. So that'd yeah, be thicker than your quadriceps. <laughs> yeah, it's a shame nah. we can't get a full body. Image here of, of Gutty. We'll get one later. Yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, I can stand on the stool and take my pants <laughs> off. <laughs> um, so we've obviously digressed a little bit from that from that fantastic intro, but there was a couple of uh, allusions to some uh, a previous football career or even a current football career in there, Gutty. <laughs> <Sam>. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's 
That's all right. You can call me Gardy. Yeah. Um, it's I don't call him Sam. <laughs> Taking the piss. Taking the piss. Uh, former international for Italy. Yes, yes. Former international. 2013 Rugby League World Cup. So One would safely assume that you can speak Italian then. One would be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, let, let's talk about that. Um, because we, we spoke before we started recording about a, a post, um, a comment that you put on a, a post the other day about schoolboy rugby. Yeah. And let's just go through that journey because you were, you're from Proserpine, Ely Beach? Proserpine, yeah. Yep, Proserpine. It was a comment on a post by Rue Ballinger who's previously been on the podcast. Great segue and good upsell. So go back there, I think it's episode three. Um, so you got... Um, a scholarship down to, to, to private school down here in Brizzy? With no, 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 not scholarship, mate. Paid, paid the own way. Oh, paid so, the own way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, you were an avid rugby player? No, nah, rugby league. league. So yep. I was always a rugby league player. Um, yeah, really good up until I was about 13. Um, was, you know, one of the best players up until then. And then I was sort of a late developer and... Many of the other kids sort of started shooting up and getting taken away to rugby league specialist schools and things like that. And um, something that I've touched on before is that I just don't think it's the right way to go with kids. Um, we've seen with the national under twenties comp, which is where a lot of these kids did end up before national under twenties um, got terminated, was that these kids are living the life of a professional rugby league player. Um, there's 30 of them at each club and only two or three of them will end up being full-time NRL players. And as much as they get put through their PT course or whatever it is, endless job it is, um, so, yeah, they just all come out of it with, with no direction in life, um, feeling really disheartened after they've lived the life of a professional rugby league player and then they come out the other side of it and they've got to play against men when they're 21 and it's all too hard for them and they, they don't want to play anymore, feel worthless, like they've let their family down, yeah, etc. So I think the, the right way to go go through it all is to, to go through your age group footy and you know stay with where your base is, stay with where your family is and then go through them. If you're good enough when you're 18, that's great. Go to an NRL club or whatever but this – this under-20s thing was like a fast track to being an NRL player and then it was a fast track to get there but then a really slippery slope afterwards. So I'm glad they terminated it. But um, what we were talking about was more in regards to schoolboy um, rugby and the hype around um, like schoolboy rugby, especially in Brisbane with the GPS scene. The hype and everything like that is great and I love it but the – the emphasis put on winning is just ridiculous where the schools will buy a whole team, they'll train four days a week, everything goes towards this winning the GPS premiership or whatever. Yeah. Um, the day those boys finish school, uh, they're nobody. And yeah. They certainly know that they're, they're playing with the big boys once they go to play footy again. It's a hard one, the, the GPS rugby one, because it is so – it's massive now and – Schools, you know, pride themselves on being able to win, you know, you know, um, GPS rowing or GPS rugby, GPS swimming, you know, or GPS track and field are the main ones. And the the rugby ones, yeah, really hard and shit because it's sort of if you don't if you don't import like Tom Grammar was for so long, you just shit. And then yeah. the the worst part is because it, it sort of creeps through into people that are sending their kids to school, want to send them to the best school. So I was yeah. like, what do you do? So the worst part is that it was ever allowed to happen, I suppose. You know, so now the precedent's been set. They'll never be able to stop it. Yeah. That's the worst part. And plus, the like you said, the, the emphasis that's put on them to succeed is just fucking massive. You know what I mean? And it's hard to change that culture now, you know what I mean? Especially with the way it's set up. I don't know. I don't know how to change that. Yeah. I think having a 17-year-old kid training four to five times a week and then playing on a weekend is just... Well, mate, well, when I was at school, um, Steve Pocock was the year above me and he's obviously had Dave's youngest yeah, yeah. brother. GPS Rugby finished on the Saturday, the season. On the Sunday afternoon, me and my mates were out playing touch on the, on the, on the flat. Steve was doing fucking stairs, getting ready for the next season. Yeah. It was fucked. And is he, what's he done? Has he gone on with it? Mate, he went to he, – oh, I hope I'm doing this story justice. He went to Perth with the force um, – I'm pretty sure it was his 
first preseason with them did his back, never play again. Well, we were talking about uh, I mean Ben, who'll be editing this podcast, has a crazy story of um, playing for um, Manchester City development um, yep. team over in the UK and being built up to be a professional footballer all his life. And that was his identity and his family. Well, like They believed it too, that like you're going to be a professional footballer. Everyone told everyone that's what was going to happen. And then one day when he was about 17, I think, they just cut him and that was it. Dream was over. And then identity gone. Yep. Went through that whole struggle of the early 20s and you know all that sort of stuff, trying to figure out who you are supposed to be without that identity as an athlete. Where you fit in. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a hard one. And, and kids from school would definitely be, be struggling through that. Yeah. Hundred percent coming out of school. Yeah. So the, I don't know the message out of the other side with me with that is that the amount of emphasis put on winning should maybe be eased off a little bit. <laughs> um, maybe make the kids be something other than a other than footy. Like I know the the good schools do put a lot of emphasis outside of the footy path, but um, you know the the. Pulling kids out of home and that to send them to a specialist school to tell them they're going to be an NRL player, to tell them they're going to be a Super 15 player and whatever else, and then they don't reach that target. Who's who's there to pick them up? That's sort of yeah the the road that's well we've just but we've just been having that conversation with Glenn Azar who we had on the podcast. Another segue. Um, he has been working with Jaden Nicarima, yep. so Cody's younger brother, and um, yeah, for anyone that doesn't know the story. Jaden was with the Roosters. He debuted in the World Club Challenge after, I think it was 2013 maybe, um, when they yeah won the comp 2013. And, um, yeah, debuted over there. And then he came in 2014, I think it was, played a few games. And then I think he they lost the first six games or something, the Roosters, and they booted him. And then, yeah, he just got mixed up, wrong crowd, same thing, was getting paid 30 or 40 grand a month into his account. He was in Sydney away from home and... Tested positive twice for for drugs and that was it. He was cut completely, gone. And same like he's just been through a major ordeal trying to get his purpose and life back on track. And that's what Glenn's been doing with him. But it's amazing the fall of grace that kids can have, like fucking massive. You're talking about with particularly with the winning stuff. A lot of these GPS schools really base their identity on how good their team is, right? And oh like yeah, they yeah. Are, they're, that's it. they're the big team, and you come here because we're winners, and that's the culture we want to create. And there's no losing. Like, but you've got the pressure on the old boys yeah. and shit too, because that's like they all yeah. do that. Well, you know, the the 16 year old kid that might be playing on the wing for for Nudgy or whatever, and he's got. A thousand old boys there watching him. If he drops the ball and they lose the game, as no one's going to be picking him up, making him feel better. He's only a sixteen-year-old kid. Mm, like mm. you know, the if you do that in Super Rugby and you're getting paid to do it, you 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 got to deal with your own sort of problems there. But when you're a kid running around in schoolboy footy, the amount of pressure they're under is just incredible. The yeah, whole yeah, the right. whole way through the system. But yeah, yeah. So you've so. At what point did you? Because obviously playing for international rugby league for the <coughs> Italian Azzurri, that's a pretty great story. How did you get to that point? Yeah, look, my my footy career was pretty a bit of a slow burn. I just got I stuck with it and got better and better as I got older. Um, trained, yeah, fairly hard outside of school. Um, I played for the mighty with Sunday Brahmins in two thousand and eight. My first, oh no, two thousand and six, seven. Eight and nine, my four years of my apprenticeship up in Proserpine. Um, and then, yeah, in 2009, I got in like the top 10 players in the Kai comp. So I thought I'd have a crack at playing Queensland Cup. So I moved to Brizzy and um, showed up at South Slogan, pretty well unknown. Um, and at South Slogan, then we used to get 10 players back from Canberra every week as we were affiliated with Canberra and after about uh, 10 rounds or so I ended up getting a start in the Queensland Cup team so there was only seven people that weren't full-timers that got selected and I'd just come from a country league so I was pretty proud of that moment. Um, Ended up playing in a finals series in Queensland Cup in my first year Um, and then yeah Canberra got sort of taken away from the affiliate program the next year and we got absolutely trounced for a year and then they came back the next year and we sort of came good and 2012 and 13 was probably when I started to hit my straps and um, yeah started 
getting approached a little bit about um, going going and doing a pre-season with a couple of clubs, but um, by that point I'd started my own business and I was already a tradesman electrician. So going back to the sort of coin on offer to go do four months of pre-season with no guaranteed contract was something that I sort of turned away from a bit. Um, often the little little voice tells me I should have done it, but uh, I don't think – I probably didn't believe I was good enough, to be honest. That's probably why I didn't do it. I wasn't prepared to go do the four or five months of training to to not get a gig. Who are the so, clubs? Uh, it's actually Manly. So, Desi? <laughs> yeah, if that – Mate, if I had been the Penrith Panthers, it would have been there in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a weird. Yeah, was, were you like, oh shit, like yeah? If it was the Panthers, would you have gone? Oh, probably. Can't. Can't. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's oh, no torture. Just, no, torture. Because, because this is an interesting thing. Because there's so, there would be so many rugby league players out there that barrack for a side their entire life, and yeah. they they good enough, they get a pick, and then. Titans fucking sign you. You're like <laughs> fuck. You know, <laughs> gotta what I mean? go play for these blokes now. Yeah, no, well, so that so yeah, like if it was Penrith, do you reckon he would have done it? Nah, probably not. Still not. I, no. Nah, I was yeah, I was going good with business and um, yeah. So it's good that you can own that decision, be comfortable with that because you know. Yeah, look, you could no regrets, mate. <laughs> regrets, shut up. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, and then. Yeah, 2013 landed me at the Rugby League World Cup, which was a yeah an, an amazing time. Um, Where'd they pluck you from? Uh-huh. No, so the the Italian World Cup team is basically all Australian Italians. So there was nine NRL players and like four Super League players, um, and then not a lot of room for other guys after that. So I was I was only there's only about five of us that weren't fully professional that. Um, that played in the in the seventeen. So, yeah, from there I got in two thousand thirteen. I played in the first game at the Rugby League World Cup after the opening ceremony. So Australia played England, and then Italy played against Wales. Um, it was yeah f- like fifty thousand people at Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. So it was a it was a bit different to running out at Davies Park on a Sunday afternoon with 100 people there, that's for sure. I had fire cannons going off in your face and, you know, the crowd was deafening. So that was a – I'd shaken myself to shit before I even got on the field. So I was running at about 10% battery by the time I got, got on the field. Um, didn't last too long. That's, the speed of the game was just incredible. Um, but, yeah, we got, got the win and – Unfortunately, Cade Snowden um, was also in this squad and he came back from suspension the next week, so I didn't get picked again for the next two games. Um, kicked stones massively and sulked like a baby for the for the next few days. And it, it wasn't till about a month ago I actually looked back on it a bit. I was talking to someone about it and, yeah, I, I've, I've always been a bit dirty. I didn't play the next two games of the World Cup and then... Now look back at it and think, well, fuck, you were like number one, you know, you were in the top 17 of the Italian Rugby League side at one point. Like that's something to be pretty proud of Bloody instead of going, oh, you you know, you, you got dropped. I didn't really get dropped. I got replaced by someone who'd played for Australia before. So, yeah. Mate, it's solid effort. Have you yeah. still got the kit? Do you still get around with the, the training kit at home? Or what? Uh, <laughs> he, so wears it, he, he puts it on after the cold chair in the morning. So there's a jersey <laughs> I have um, – I played against England in a trial game, so I played against the Burgess boys and against um, James Graham and Rob Burrow. And Fuck, yeah, what's so it like tackling James Graham? Yeah, it was it was good. There's a good photo, actually, of um, me having a carry into him. Um, you want to be asking James Graham <laughs> what it's like to tackle Sam Gardell? Yeah, <laughs> mate, it was, it was horrific conditions. It was, um, yeah, 50 mil of water all over the field. It was oh. wet as, so, um, but, yeah... Uh, one of the jerseys, mum and dad have got the jersey from that game and uh, in a yeah, bit of memorabilia. And I've got the other one um, from the World Cup game. So it's what, awesome. What mate. qualifies you to play for Italy? Grandparents. Um, isn't my it? dad's name is Luciano Gianni Gardel. So <laughs> does that answer <laughs> it? <laughs> well, what about Cade Snowden? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably from his mum's side, mate. <laughs> Fair enough. That's awesome. So no, you've got to have a grandparent born in Italy to qualify. Cool. So 
mine, my both my grandparents are born in Italy. So, so were you juggling an electrical business in and around this? Yes, period. I was. Right. Not sure how, but well, how? How did you? <laughs> uh, so when that was all going on, I had a, a business. Um, I was contracting uh, through a company called Utility Asset Management. Um, and we were working for Energex on the overhead network, replacing power lines. Um, everything pretty well ran itself. Uh, everything was delivered on like a tough book sort of laptop setup. So all the jobs came through there. Everything was sort of self-generated, pretty easy to do. So um, that that definitely helped um, keep the business going at that time. But uh, as you guys know, that all came to an end. Yeah. So walk us through that. Walk us through that because we did we did speak on it briefly before we started. So like, walk us through what what, what happened there. Yeah. So I used to work for the the company previously um, as an employee. Uh, I saw an opportunity to contract back to them because I was basically turning out a lot more work than the other blokes were that were doing the same thing as me. So I wanted to make more money than what they were. So I offered to contract. Back to the company and we, we got that all happening um, and then they, I had I, I had a crew and we were going really well and then they're like, all right, get another crew on, you guys are killing it. So then I ended up with uh, three crews and about uh, 11 blokes all fully trained to work on overhead power lines, um, very expensive setup costs and, and training costs and then uh, in, I think it was November 2015, um, yeah, they pretty much pulled it out from underneath me. So I had to pay out all the redundancies and get rid of all the trucks and everything and just, yeah, lost a lot of money at that that point. Um, and I'd wisely just bought a new house, which was double the mortgage of my previous house, and my wife was 10 months pregnant and I'd just quit footy as well. So, oh, no, I hadn't quit footy. I was training a pre-season for 2016 at that point. Sorry. Fuck. So I Good mean, timing. yeah, yeah, no, it all went down very smoothly. And and what what was your mindset around that? Like, you are you instantly like, holy fuck, what am I going to do? Or was it, I know what I'm going to going to do? What was that? No, there was definitely a holy fuck moment there. Um, How old were you? Uh, t- when was it? 2016. <laughs> um, so I was. You four lose track. <laughs> <don't you? laughs> no, I was like 27. Yeah. That's pretty young for to have a business fall over like that when you invested so much into it. That, that's yeah. a tender age. Yeah, it was. And, you know, I probably hadn't been the wisest with um, how, I, how I'd spent money either. Like I was pretty uh, pretty sort of adventurous with how I, how I spent. Like, you know, bought a house when I was 24 and pumped money into it and did it up and sold it and sort of was looking to do the same thing with the house that I'd just purchased at this time and... I had yeah a lot of a lot of financial stress there, and I, I remember I spoke to my accountant, who's also my godfather. Not that I go to church or anything like that, but um, he he's my dad's best mate, and um, he just said to me, "Well, there's two ways to do this: we can either blow it all up when you're bankrupt, or you can dig your heels in and and get it done." And uh, I chose to dig my heels in approach and just work tirelessly to get myself out of trouble and um i've actually got to thank um tommy crookshank who's one of you boys mates as well yeah we know him he he helped me greatly um he was the the first employee i i started back with when i went from when i went from 13 to one person overnight so um yeah so i got him back i got him on board and Built it back up to where we are today. Mate, how do you? Um, what, how's the mindset when you have a business like that that it all falls over? Obviously, you're having a crack, like a fairly decent crack, but are you kind of worried about what people are going to think of you, or you're like going to be perceived as like having failed or anything like that? Like, did you have that sort of ever have that those sorts of thoughts? Yeah. Um, look, I think I have. I had way too much pride to to throw the towel in. So. There's a fair bit of drive there to, to work my way out of it. Um, and, look, I've got, got to thank the Australian Taxation <laughs> Office for being very very friendly with their tax debts. Um, 
and whatever else. I carried one of those for a long time, which helped me get out of trouble. Been there. <laughs> My God, Father. Yeah. You probably yeah. wired up the power lines that were keeping their lights on. <laughs> what? They, they, looked after me. they looked after me anyway. So We, um, love, we love the tax office, don't we? Yeah, we love uh, the ATO. Yeah, as we, we spoke about before, um, you know, with that working so hard mentality that I had, the... Uh, the blinkers were firmly attached to to what I was doing, and I was I was probably being a little bit um, neglectful in other parts of my life, such as my home life, and um, you know starting to drink too much and you know gamble and whatever else to try and cover up the hurt that you you were holding from that. Well, yeah, the the hurt and uh, from from losing what I had going so good. And then also the, um, yeah, just the, the having everything on my shoulders constantly was was a tough, was a tough battle. Um, I think with the new house I'd bought and um, the amount of debt that I'd carried from the, the business going from thirteen people down to one, I was something like twelve thousand dollars in the hole before I even got out of bed a month and that was with one employee which was myself oh and and I had Jack um who was a first year apprentice about three weeks in so I bet you weren't having cold showers then or what (laughs) mate there was no time for a shower it was just work non-stop to try and try and get back and I had to swallow my pride and do jobs off high pages take jobs off anywhere I could get them um subbing into other electrical contractors, doing whatever I could to to work a lot. And um, then, yeah, through lots of hard work and whatever else, I finally got my head above water again, which is a nice feeling. <laughs> Mate, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on it in a minute because it's, it's incredible sort of what you've done in the last six months because, you know, well, to set the picture, we used to sublet the upstairs of your office in East Brisbane. Gardy so gave trade mud at first start. He gave us a first did. start. I so did. I did. We've we've been we've been able to well yes see sort of from an outside view sort of see what has been going on um, with your business. And I mean, coming back to when you felt like everything was on your shoulders and you know you're starting to drink and, and gamble and stuff like that. Like how how much was that affecting like? your business and your relationship and stuff like that with your wife like was that a, a, a getting to a point where you made a change or was like she came and said look fuck shit's getting out of hand here or what was that discussion um yeah like i, I knew i needed to make a, a change I was, i've always been responsible in the way that i would wouldn't like get blind and not show up to work or something like that like work was always first sort of thing but then the amount of emphasis I put on work, I'd then blow out on a weekend and that would be when I'd be neglecting my my home life when I could have been a bit better. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I just came to a bit of a, a realisation that if I wanted the business to be better, then I had to make it better myself. Um, and I was trying to employ people to do it. And when you employ people to do it, they'll, they'll only get you so far. Um so at the start of this year, I made the decision to step back into the into the office because I'd previously just been on the tools and putting my head in the sand a bit about what was actually happening in the business. And um, now I've been back in the office and back sort of looking over the whole business from a from an owner's point of view. Um, yeah, made some really good headway. Um, but then the the noise started coming back about dealing with customers and, and things like that. And I I sort of, I saw in late January, I saw a post um, from a from a bloke, Lockie Stewart, which said, you know, do you, do you want to be the man you've wanted to be or something along those lines? And I don't know, it probably got me on a hungover Sunday afternoon and I was like, yeah, I'm sick of this shit. I'm, I'm going to change. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you read, like, and that was a, that was, was that your first step in, getting help sort of outside of like, you know, your sort of little circle that you had with your godfather and your parents and stuff like that was the first time you'd reached out for help? Well, the previous time I reached out for a business consultant, he scammed me. So <laughs> I, won't, I won't say scammed, so he you wasn't... got burnt. He, he burnt me. He wasn't very good at doing what he said he was going to do anyway. So... Been there. 
<laughs> yeah. That's a tough one because where the hell do people go out and look for support, business support? Because you've reached out to someone thinking that that was the right right avenue to go down and yeah. evidently... How did you come across that first one? Uh, LinkedIn. Mm, interesting. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So people, be mindful <laughs> that there is plenty of scamming coaches out there. <laughs> also, when you're looking for someone in your particular industry... It's not just a one-size-fits-all kind of thing. You know, you really need people who actually understand your industry and not just business itself, I think, or what? Um, I'll, I'll go against you a bit there, Dan. You don't need someone that knows your industry. You need someone who knows you. You're the only person who can make your business better. I'm happy, to, I'm happy to cop that. Get that someone in comes right in to. telling you how to run your own business, you're not going to do it. So they need, to, they need to sit behind you and just steer you a little bit and, and get you in the right right direction which is i also see someone which helps me with that at the moment um and yeah since i've i've seen max um things going great with the business well you make a good point i don't think anyone can tell you how to run your business can they it's all just about yeah understanding the individual understanding your you know your personal goals what you're trying to achieve and trying to put the best you know support and foundation around you to help you get there so good good call guardy well how how much have you realized that you and how you're going personally affects everything else. You know, I mean, have you like you, I've obviously come to the realization that you and how you're tracking floods through. You know what I mean? Yeah. Look, it it makes a massive difference. Um, so since sort of yeah January February this year when I've started started making some real positive changes that people can can see. Um, Sorry about the little ding there. I don't know how my phone came off. No, that was Mike, wasn't it? What? No, it was me. Guilty as charged. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, so, yeah, now I'm completely No, lost. no, the, no, since you invested in yourself and you, what you've learned. Yeah, because I had a chat with you on the phone the other day and we that, like, that was actually one of the best chats I'd had like on the way to work. Normally I've been listening to podcasts, but it yeah. was worth the yarn with you. And I could hear the, the tone in your voice – and the, and the excitement that you had for your own business that probably wasn't there, you know, late, Six months ago. late last yeah. year. Yeah. And yeah. not and I know what I know now is that not only have you invested in yourself, you've seen positive results in your business and it's also allowed you to invest in your staff and your people and start yeah. to look out for their best interests as well. And I think that's an awesome insight. Yeah, so... You know, the employees I've got at the moment are extremely good um, and they've seen the, the changes I've made and they've, some of them made some changes on their own accord. Um, like my, my office um, manager, Tash, she's stopped smoking because she saw the changes I was making so then I challenged her to make some changes as well and it's been a very positive outcome for her. Um, and, you know, a couple of my other employees have sort of reached out to me a little bit more, I suppose, because I've, I've been open about the changes that I have been making, um, not drinking anywhere near as much as I was, um, training, um, you know, getting up early, having my showers, doing all that sort of stuff, and, you know, it's it's contagious. People have seen the, cha- contagious. the change in my attitude and, my, and how I'm carrying myself that they want to come along and, the, the workplace is a much better place for it. Everyone's happier and it's going well. And do you think it's a bit of a snowball effect? Like once you start to see a couple of results here or there, you just get a little bit of extra oomph in your step? Yeah, definitely. So start making a, a few changes and then the the changes you've made and it's still not good enough. You just want to keep going further and Growth further mindset. It. There it is again. So I didn't come this far just to come this far. Who was saying that? Glenn Azer? Did he? What a legend! Uh, yeah, last Friday. Before. Yeah, nah, I'm yeah. not going to say that one. Um, but also, but interestingly, uh, you, the scissor lift, I reckon, is a very interesting insight yeah. because <laughs> I even had my uncle Johnny Mac. He won't be listening. Shout out to Mac if he's listening. And highly running shotgun. He's just invested in a. Um, uh, excavator. Yep. Because he saw the numbers that he was spending on dry hiring. Oh, no, wet hiring, one of them. No, no, dry hiring. Dry hiring. Dry hire, no driver. Dry hiring machines. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and you had a similar story with your, with your scissor lift once you got it, got your head around the numbers. Yeah, but that all comes back to me creating space for myself. And I did that by going to bed earlier, waking up earlier, 
not being foggy, um, delegating properly to the guys so then I could actually have a minute to sit down and do some reporting and stuff and, geez, I wanted to slap myself when I realised I'd spent the, I'd spent like $45,000 in the last 12 months on scissor lifts and I bought a brand new one for 80. So I'm now using, it. I've had it for eight weeks and it's we've used it every week I've had it. I'm about, with lease repayments and what the, uh, and what we would have spent on about 5k in front in eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, but, uh, and, but, and, and yeah. it's good for us because Jordan's driving it over here from, yeah, <laughs> from East Brisbane. No, <laughs> but I think, but, but how, you know, because that's a, another big thing. We've been graced with people who've helped with us with our numbers from a very early uh, yep. stage in this business. Um, and, I mean, fuck, it is meant everything to us to be able to know where we are, where we're tracking, and it's never been... I don't think I've ever had a, a point where I'm like... where I've worried about everything financially where it's heading because we've been... we've had such great people helping us with that. Yeah. Um, when did you... like, is that is that just something recently you've implemented into your business? Have you been doing the numbers or, like, where did that, that side of the business, you know, who was looking after that? Um, yeah, like, I've, I've always had a bit of an idea of the numbers, Um and, you know, we've got really good reporting processes in place and all that sort you of stuff. You use Simpro, don't you? We use Simpro. That is not – that is 100% genuine. So that yes. is genuine. And actually Tash, my office manager, used to, to work, work at Simpro. Simpro so she's the Simpro guru and I am the Simpro dunce. <laughs> <laughs> so we um, – yeah, but she's amazing at what she can do with, with that bit of software. But that, but plug, that plug. <laughs> well, the plugging aside, like yeah, sure, simple. But like the fact of the matter is that you do have systems in place to be able to do this stuff because so many businesses don't, and they exactly right. and they pay the price for it and Pl- pay handsomely. I might add, pay pay handsomely no, the, for the fuck up. But the outcome is is significant challenges with mental health, which lends itself to leaning on vices and drinking. Well, it just you know. goes back to the story that we just spoke about with you. you the, the like the, It all falls over, your coping mechanisms to go out, get drunk, you know, do some gambling, release yeah. yourself on the weekends because you've got to work like a dog to make up for it. You know what I mean? It's just that vicious fucking cycle. And yeah, you just end up treading water and you can only tread for so long till you start going down. Loco. It's, yeah, it's – and there'd be so many people out there going through it. Yep. So many. So what, what do you what do you think, you know, was it was it just that Sunday afternoon, you know, that you might have been a bit hungover and saw that post? Like was that the breaking moment where you were like, fuck, I'm changing something here? That is awesome because those posts as well, it's so awesome to hear that someone's seen one of those posts and been like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it definitely, I don't know, just – Lockie just clicked with me, I suppose, because he's a he's an ex footy player as well. He's he done all the same dumb shit I've done. Um, There's been a bit of that, yeah. So <laughs> you know, yeah. So yeah, it was just great to to sort of do a workshop with him and learn a bit. Yeah. So what was involved in that? There was basically 20, 20 blokes did a two day workshop with Lockie as the facilitator from the Man That Can project. Um, and mate, the reward that I'm still getting from that is incredible because some of the everyone in there is at, at different levels of what they need help with and whatever else. And like, you know, my my issue was, you know, shoveling shoving things away because I didn't want to deal with them. So I I, I hate dealing with customer complaints. I hate dealing with these things. So you know, instead of dealing with it, I just finish at four o'clock or whatever and go have a few beers and forget about it and start again the next day. Um, and then on the weekend, I'd try to do a complete brain erase. So, um, yeah, the where was I going with that? What you learnt with Lockie and... Yeah, so, and, you know, some of the other guys are, you know, coming out of a divorce or whatever, so they're a bit down and out about that. So, you know, the guy with the, the drinking problem which was me, but very good at business, I consider, um, was able to sort of maybe help the guy that might be going through a divorce that's struggling with his business. So as everyone just sort of can oh, get Oh, okay. Get so together. it's like a community type. Like, well, yeah. it is, but Lockie is the facilitator as well and he gets everyone to lift their standards and then we all sort of stay in contact 
with each other. Um, and it's just a good little community where we all can share freely without judgment with each other. And yeah, we all still get along and still um, have a few group chats that we do stuff with and we just did that push-up challenge together and that so hey, that's pretty yeah, powerful cool. that's it, pretty powerful do you sort of buddy is it corner you buddy up we, have you have you sort of been doing a bit of mentoring no it's not really buddying up but um like one of the guys in there uh, i've been talking to him a little bit just trying to explain to him about the like about keto diet that i've been doing and that really helped me lose weight and i thought he'd be someone that it would suit because I noticed that he was drinking a lot of soft drink over the yeah. weekend of our of our workshop, and you know he, he's had a very tough time um, with yeah separating from his partner. He's not doing so well mentally. But uh, if we if we can start on getting our body right first, uh, I think it's a very good spot to start with fixing other things. So well, that was sort of that was that, that was pretty much your journey, I suppose, is it? Because you really start you hooked into the keto and you really started getting into the, the yeah, exercise. So pretty. that was sort of late. Uh, that was mid last year. I got um, in, into that to just try and lose some weight to play footy. But then it was this year that I started to yeah train a bit more regularly and get my get yeah get back into footy. And you know I played last year, but I hardly trained, so it wasn't really playing. It was more just playing on the weekend and then getting blind. So um, now this year I've been yeah training and sort of helping out with a few younger guys as well, which is pretty rewarding. So yeah, when you like with myself helping the guy from the man that can that I've been talking to is sort of more rewarding and and holds me accountable to keep doing the things that I'm telling him instead of telling him to do this and that I'm doing the opposite. The so accountability part's huge. Do you find it's a bit invigorating almost when you can sort of impart some of your wisdom or support on others as well that kind of helps you kind of Definitely. keep going on your it's, path? It's probably the most powerful thing that is is driving me to make more changes and make more positive changes, I should say. Um, yeah, very empowering. And also, I would think it's also for that fella you're talking about is really relatable to come yep. from a bloke like you. I mean, that's one of our biggest things with trade mudders. We're not too, we're not massive on, you know, this clinical approach. It's more peer-to-peer support. Like, we can talk about yep. this stuff together. We can help each other together. And it comes from a much more relatable level. And I'm sure... He really appreciates that as well, coming from you. Yeah, well, like, look at the depth of our conversations that have changed over the last six months. Mate, it's bloody cool. It's bloody cool. And Who would have thought we'd be sitting around here talking about books? Exactly right. <laughs> Half an hour ago. <laughs> what a fucking G up. No, but how good is it, though? Yeah. I love it. I really do. I Like, where, like, and it's really, yeah, like, the, the group of people that we're surrounding ourselves with and going forward, it's just awesome you know what i mean everyone's sort of in in on it and we're all learning together you know what i mean no one's got all the answers but we're all actively learning new things and like i'm gonna start trying this bloody cold water thing in a couple of weeks for sure i regret not doing it this morning i was gonna do it because i thought guardy's coming in today and well, i want to be able to talk about this i was then. gonna do a wim hof um because after we had wes on i googled it i think it was the next week or something or whatever but there's a place in tenerife i think that they do training for it like okay. it's once a saturday it's yeah, one Saturday a month, but obviously COVID shut it down. But they run you through on how to have ice baths and have that that yeah, get that breathing and stuff happening. And I'm going to do it once it all starts back up again because it looks really interesting. Like, and I see a lot of it on LinkedIn. A lot of people doing um, that Wim Hof stuff. Have you seen Kevin Hart's show on YouTube where I they sit so. in? They sit in. Uh, he's got like this YouTube thing. Oh, was it the ice baths? Yeah, the ice baths thing. <laughs> and he did funny. one with Dennis Rodman in like big. <laughs> King Dennis Rodman's just in the bath, no dramas. He's breathing all good. Kevin's absolutely carrying on like the larrikin that he is, but worth a watch if, yeah. you, if you want to check out <laughs> yeah. ice baths. Gardy, have you noticed a difference in your home life with every with the investment in yourself and your and your business? Is it is it? Yeah, and look, um, yeah, it's made an incredible difference to the home life. Um, well, we've been doing a lot of work on our house at the moment as well, so. Spending a lot more time with with my wife and daughter, um, definitely can see how much more receptive my daughter is to my presence now than what she was before. Like, still, always you know, run up and be mad with me and that, but now um, can definitely see a change in in how she sees sees me. Um, and then with my wife, she's yeah, she's started making some changes of her own. So you know, we we were both getting a bit lazy from time to time with not 
looking after our, our really nice house. Um, we'd often make it look like a bomb site and then fix it up and then bomb site and then fix it up. And we've been um, both working pretty hard together to keep it in a good way all the time, which was one of our goals, which is not always easy with a four and a half year old ranger so <laughs> shout out to Mads listening to this in 10 years <laughs> so. I don't think she'll be listening to it <laughs> no. or she will yeah or so will. yeah it's been um yeah no, it's been amazing on the on the home front as well so that's awesome that's that awesome. Be, make a fucking change <laughs> that must be yeah but it must be really rewarding for you personally like are you really starting to feel like fuck this is great and I want to be even better like is that something that yeah, is that where you're at? Yeah, that's definitely where I'm at. It's not a, uh, you know, I'll grind out this next six weeks of getting some coaching off a bloke and then I'm going to cut <laughs> sick and, you know, <laughs> go back to my old old habits. Um, that's definitely not happening. I'm on, on, on the road to being, yeah, better and better. Mate, so, that's so awesome. But that's as, so refreshing. It that's is. fucking awesome. But, but as, as Wes says, like, what you're doing, like, at the moment is just you're gaining tools in a toolbox, like, many, many tools that you can draw on at any point in your life. And, yep. you know, as life happens and things may change in the future, regardless of what does happen, you've obtained these tools and resources to be able to call on when the time comes, you yep. know? One of, one of my major issues that most people don't even think about was communication. So, um, you know, I'd be sick of talking to people, my employees all day who are asking me the same questions and I'd take that home with me. But then if you look at the root cause of all that, the root cause of all that was me because I wasn't giving them the right information to begin with. And that was what was tearing me apart really because then I'd go home and I wouldn't want to talk to Samantha so then I wouldn't listen to her stories because I've been listening to shit from the guys all day and then she wouldn't talk to me so then I just wouldn't talk to anyone so um, being able to pull myself away from everything and make some proper process and build build things properly and get the communication paths open is what gave me the space to be able to communicate even better moving forward that's awesome because we just had jordan in here last Bala. last week Bala Horton, one of your one of your you know most reliable one, lads one of my prized possessions you're one of your prized <laughs> possessions don't <laughs> worry he, he's, he's roughing in the roughing in the podcast yeah, he's shooting. done all the lights but here. mate he <laughs> was brimming ear to ear he goes yeah we have we have toolbox meetings now yeah, <laughs> mate, he was stoked. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We have toolbox meetings, like, mate, Guardy's like all over it. We're like, mate, that's bloody awesome. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. How is it? We, we were having another conversation today um, before you came in about um, no matter sort of how much you know you do personally or people um, like well, what we're all sort of doing, um, are do and learning and how much we're improving. We know how good it is for us. How hard is it seeing other people that you know that aren't doing it and you just want to fucking flick him over the back of the head and be like, come with me, you know what I mean? Like, have you found that difficult? Yeah, you kind of want to, you know, scream it from the rooftops and tell everyone to come along with you, but it's not really going to work that way. So, you know, if you try and help everyone, you'll help no one. So I've been trying to focus, put my focus on sort of if I – if I identify someone that I think needs a bit of a kick along or a bit of help, that I am putting the time into them and not, yeah, you know, going Facebook Live telling people to lift <laughs> their shit up or whatever, because that's not really going to be the way I'm going to be able to help people. Um, so the way that I can help people is facilitating some change within my workplace. Um, and yeah, you know, if if I know someone could be operating at twenty percent better. By by getting them getting them up to that um, and paying for them maybe to see someone or whatever, and then that's something I'm going to continue to do because uh, if I can get all my employees running running at ninety five to a hundred percent, then we're going to be pretty powerful. Yeah, well, that that was an interesting thing we had from um, Wes Vasily on his podcast. He talked about um, a, a business owner, um, their employees only ever be sort of eighty percent of their hundred. So have you noticed an uplift in everyone else's productivity since you've really taken it by the horns in the last sort of six months? Yeah, well, with the, like, lifting my communication lifted my standards and then that made them have to lift their their standard of communication as well. So, like, their, you know, their notes on their jobs and things like that 
we've you know we used to bark at them about doing it previously and then it never happened and we started implementing toolbox meetings and started you know doing all the things that a business really should be doing and holding their employees accountable for it it's um it's pretty simple stuff but when you get busy it's easy just to keep skirting past it and then yeah you know natasha is extremely process driven i'm i'm a bit of a loose animal and don't really like oh, fuck well yeah look welcome to the club yeah, yeah I, I feel like me and dan are on the same wavelength yeah you there. and dan are, 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 yeah, are buddies so we, we've just decided that it's best that i just stick to talking to people gathering a bit of information um and then everyone else sort of does their bit to make sure that the, the puzzle comes together um <laughs> but it's a match made in heaven isn't it Gardy? Eh? there's not one without the, the other you need the yin and you need the yang yeah 100 percent. so hey, yeah, mate, that's good. Are you guys, how, uh, so you've got the guys, have you got the guys into the Simpro app? I want to know. Are they in it on their phones? Um, no, we don't use the field service of Simpro. Right. Um, Tash is a bit protective of her Simpro. Ah, so right. Oh, so she's, she's the, she, the head honcho and that's yeah, it. Yeah, she's the bit of a dictator and she drives it from... From afar. Yeah, but that's um, good because she obviously doesn't want anyone coming in and stuffing up the, yeah, any yeah. Of the settings and the numbers. <laughs> so, and so we've got some integration with another app called T-Sheets, yeah, which, right is, um, which syncs with Simpro. So that uh, does the boys' timesheets and pay slips and everything like that. So Lovely, lovely. I'm just trying to think what else I was going to ask you before we shut her down. Did I, think. did I take you off track? Yeah, I had something else, but it's gone. Gone. What uh what's going on with the Brahmins this well obviously there's nothing happening with the Brahmins right now, yeah. is there? Yeah. Are you gonna be playing footy this season? Uh, I was gonna be playing for the mighty Normanby Hounds. So just out of graceful, you boys will have to come down for a see a big Italian stallion. I don't think there'd be enough room at the stadium with Mate. with your legs and us there. <laughs> If you if you're coming down to watch Dan, I'm gonna shave them bad boys and oil them up for you. <laughs> It's good. And I'll bring my I'll bring my pom poms, mate. It'll be good. (laughs) So um, I suppose the last thing, yeah. So the man that can, I just for people that are listening. So the man that can, um, is that just a website? Google. Yeah, Facebook, mate. The man that can project. Get on it, guys. Um, Yeah, the three podcasts that I've been listening to. My hot three. Yep. uh, Lockie Stewart from the Man That Can Project. Max Latimer Logic. Max Madama Logics. <laughs> Latimer. Yeah. Latimer. Latimer. You're wearing headphones. Come yeah, on. I, I, <laughs> and Matt Boyce from the Human Connection Project. Oh, yeah. We were just talking about him before. Yeah, cool. Um, one more thing I want to talk about, which is really bloody cool, which didn't really quite get off the way it was supposed to this year, but the Captain's Challenge. Yeah. With uh, the Brisbane Golf Club. You have uh, Gardell Electrical has sponsored that for this year, for 2020, obviously it hasn't gone off the way it was supposed to with everything happening, but with the, the beneficiary of the entire event being This Is A Conversation Starter Foundation. That is correct, Daniel. So, yeah, it's great to get you guys on board as our charity partner at um, the Gardell Electrical Captain's Challenge. How much did we raise in the first oh, one before remember. COVID? Ma- Mams was out there. I think it was a couple of grand. Yeah, um, yeah. So... But we've got we've got bigger plans than that. That's just a bit of loose change for what we're going to make. So um, we we're going to really drive this thing now. Once uh, once the restrictions lift a bit more, we're going to be good to go. So awesome. so myself, yourself, Boise and Lockie. Lockie. Yep. Right. I'll uh, stay here and do the processes. Are they any good at golf? Uh, I know Boise can play. Um, I think Lockie can get it around. Uh, so I might have to get the range. <laughs> Better fire up Vicky Park, mate. Get down there and get into it. Right, mate. Well, uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. We'll get a bit of social media. And oh yeah, spin a few yarns. What's the date? That it's twenty sixth of June. Twenty sixth. First Gardell Electrical Captain's Challenge Gardell back Electrical. since COVID nineteen. That's <laughs> put that's a big line through it. That's Gardell Electrical Captain's Challenge. <laughs> capital G. And this podcast. We'll have for the working class, will be out we'll available be prior to that date. Aired by then, and uh, if anyone feels like getting around and supporting a couple of hackers or maybe three semi-good golfers and one hacker. I'm a hacker. Guardy, pull your head in. You own a golf cart, mate. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I live on a golf course. Doesn't mean I can play golf, but... Well, I hope um, I hope you enjoyed this because it was great to get you in. I mean, it, how, did you, how do you feel conveying your... You lost. You spoke really well. I think it is nerve-wracking. It is nerve-wracking. It is nerve-wracking. I should have had a few skewies beforehand. I would have been a bit looser. Um, but yeah, no, it's been good. You always feel like you've you could have said a whole lot more or made a whole lot more sense. But you yeah. made perfect sense. Anyway. I think you. I think to, to be honest, like you come from, you've got a hell of a story. Like you've really, you've really done a few bloody things and. Mate, yeah, you've been a massive supporter of ours, which we really appreciate. We've got the whole crew wearing the Hive is uh, Venturas, the Orange Venturas. As I call them to you, I've got 12 soldiers out there selling your trademark shirts (laughs) for you, so... (laughs) We're not selling shirts, we're selling a cultural (laughs) shift in the way blokes perceive mental health. Oh, that's uh, right, they're out there doing that too. We had Jordan come in the office the other day and he's like, these fucking shirts, he's like... I just get sick of having conversations, mate. I get sick of telling people. I was like, come on, Jordan, you love it, mate. He's like, yeah, no, nah, I do. Yeah, it's great. But he's like, I just wanted to buy a bottle of milk the other day and I kept getting bailed up. <laughs> <laughs> so well, that's what we want. You forget you're even wearing them sometimes now. In the first couple of days I wore the new shirts, I was like, yeah, you know, I felt a bit weird about it, but now it's just rocking it. That's awesome. Well, do you know how you, you know how you fix that? New batch of colours coming very yeah. soon. That'll spank them back up again. We'll spank see. them yeah. back up? Right, let's just call let's it. Let's wrap it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Guardy. Cheers, Guardy. Cheers, guys. If you're a fan of Trademutt's 120 Grit podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram or shoot us an email at admin at trademutt.com.